0: They offer free shipping on all boots as well as free returns and exchanges and ship right to your door. Go to tecovis.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today.
1: Welcome to the Casting Across Fly Fishing Podcast. I'm Matthew of castingacross.com where I explore the quarry and the culture of fly fishing. What do you consider to be the most important piece of fly fishing gear. Now, I think it's not even debatable that a fly rod is the most iconic piece of gear. It's what you think of when you think of fly fishing. And it actually is the thing that connects you to the pursuit. It connects you to the fish. It connects you to the cast. So it's hard to argue that the fly rod isn't the most important piece of fly fishing gear. After that, though, I would say that most folks would assume that the reel is the next most important thing. You spend a lot of money on it. It looks pretty. It completes the fly rod. But the fact of the matter is, is that for most fly fishers, and I would say that is a quantitative statement, a lot of fly fishers who fish for trout, fish for warm water species, they're not using their reels for a whole lot more than holding fly line. And actually, the fly line is as important, if not more important, because the fly line is built to make that fly rod, that iconic and essential piece of fly fishing gear, function. So what do I mean by that? Well, fly line is what separates fly fishing from other kinds of fishing. We're not throwing straight monofilament. We're throwing a weighted, tapered, more often than not, line that causes that fly rod to flex whether it be bamboo fiberglass or graphite that fly line causes the material in that rod which has been tapered by precision engineering to move and create the energy to push that fly line out to the destination that uh, you want to go so all I have to say is fly line is essential for the cast fly line is essential for the presentation And it isn't until you actually get into a fish that the reel comes into play. So if we're talking about just the numbers, a fly line is much more important than a fly reel. I love fly reels. I have fly reels that could stop trucks if I needed them to. But I use my fly line a whole lot more than I use my fly reel. However, I think fly line kind of gets a bum rap. And there's a few reasons for that. One, it's inexpensive. You can get top of the line fly line for right around $100. That can't be set of rods and reels. Secondly, it's not very fun to play with. You go into a fly rod or you go into your own, or fly rod, excuse me, a fly shop, or you go into your own gear and you start playing with stuff. No one plays with fly line. You pick up a rod, you wiggle it. It doesn't do a lot of good, but we all like to do it. We pick up a reel, we make the spool spin, we hear the click, we tighten the drag, we loosen the drag, we feel the weightiness of the piece of aluminum. We think, this is nice. But what do we do with fly line? Maybe we pick up the box, look at the picture, look at the taper chart on the back, which is worth doing. Maybe stick our finger into the hole where the line is, so where you can tell what color it is and feel it and think, wow, that's slick. But you don't get that same sort of tangible uh, benefit from playing with fly line that you do with playing with a rod or a reel. So I think that's, that's another reason why fly line doesn't get the kind of... Um, positive publicity that it ought to but in many ways fly line technology has had the most uh, improvements in recent years and uh, what we have today is far superior to what we fished with 20 years ago and certainly in years before that so Why should we consider better fly line? Well, first of all, with a small expense, you can really improve your gear. So, if you want to go from a good fly reel to a great fly reel, you're talking going from $150 to maybe $500. To go from good fly line to great fly line, you're talking going from $60 to $90. It's a very small investment. But more than that, more than just spending more, and there certainly is something to be said for spending more, the top of the line fly lines not only are mm. built and, and structured to perform um, in extreme conditions, oftentimes the actual formulation is, is such that it is a um, more bells and whistles product, whether it be a coating, whether it be a texture, Um, whether it be um, just other small things like that, Um, even little things that you might think are inconsequential but that once that you use them then you think, wow, this is really helpful, like uh, color transitions between uh, taper sections so you know how much line you have out. Little things like that that are actually trickling down into more mid-priced fly lines you find often in the high-priced fly lines. But more than just spending more money, I think it's important to consider the fly line you buy for the kind of fishing that you are doing, and a lot of times, and I know that this was the way that I thought for a long time. I'm just going to spend as much money as I can afford on the nicest fly line and just call that good. Well, if you're fishing under normal trout circumstances, so let's call that, you know, casts of 25 to 45 feet on on you know 90 percent of your casts. And then probably buying the top-of-the-line fly line is, is a good choice. The top-of-the-line good trout line will work for you because they're formulated for long casts. And that's for trout. That's a 40- to 50-foot cast is a long cast. You sometimes need to cast longer than that, but most of your casts will be at that distance. And most of those lines, the the taper, the transition from thin running line up to that thick belly, and for however long that is, whether that be 20 feet, 30 feet, whatever it might be, and then that transition back down to the very thin line, so you have a nice smooth taper transition to your leader, that is built to have to all be out of the tip of your fly rod so that you're throwing the amount of weight that will cause your rod to flex and get your fly to where it needs to be that's a gross overgeneralization of the process and a lot of years and a lot of money that goes into making fly line what it is but that's essentially what you're talking about when you're talking about a line that's built for longer distance casting not everyone fishes those lengths it would be silly to buy a hundred thousand dollar sports car if the purpose of you driving around was to move four kids I speak from experience I don't need a Lamborghini in fact I don't even need a fast little you know Toyota I need a minivan and I need a car that is going to be reliable and so I don't need to spend $100,000 I need to spend $20,000 and I need to spend $20,000 on something that can fit six people in it. And the same thing can be said of fly line. You don't need to spend $120 if you're fishing mountain brook trout streams. You don't need to spend $120 if you're fishing bass bugs. There are lines out there that are the best thing that you can fish for $75, for $60. And so it's not just ignoring fly line it's making um, and, and by ignoring it i mean just buying whatever it's also not saying well i'm going to swing to the polar opposite and spend the most money i can it's about making an educated decision on what kind of fly line you need i'll give you a good example i fish a lot of mountain high gradient streams and so it would be silly for me to use some of my awesome big river trout rods trout um, lines that, uh, excuse me, that I use um, on larger rivers in the northeast that I've used out on the tailwaters um, uh, in the south and out west, lines that I can cast, um, you know, 60, 70 feet if I need to. There would be absolutely no point in spooling up my three weights and my four weights with that and to the mountain streams. Is that the quote-unquote best line from a value standpoint um, on the market? Well, in one sense, yes. But in another sense, it would be completely silly to use that on a mountain trout stream where I'm casting 10 feet and maybe 20 feet at the most. So I pick fly lines that work best for my rods in those situations. And I'll give you two examples. One is Cortland's Spring Creek line and another is uh, Wolf's Triangle Taper line. Great lines. They're not gonna break your bank. And they're built to flex a rod at short casting distances they're built to place your fly exactly where you need it at 10 feet at 15 feet at 20 feet even with only a few feet of line out the tip of your fly rod you can make good casts that's what they're built to do and so i use those on my uh, i use the wolf triangle taper on a bamboo 408 and a glass uh three weight and i use the Cortland um, Spring Creek line on a speedier graphite three weight and um, another um, graphite four weight and they perform great I don't feel like I have to spend more than those lines because those lines are designed for the rods I use and the fishing that I do and so it's an, an easy choice at that point beyond that how do you figure this out Beyond saying, okay, well, I just go to a small creek line if my small creek fishing is what I'm gonna be doing. How do you figure out what line is best? Well, there's a few things. For one, if you have fished with a particular line from one of the major manufacturers, you have access to that taper chart. Even if you are fishing a line that's years old, there's a very good chance that somewhere on the internet, deep in the recesses of um, everything that's cached from from years and years, you're able to find a taper chart. And if not, you can probably email somebody at one of the major companies, they can give you a taper chart. Again, that chart that shows you what those transitions look like, what, um, you know, say you have a five weight, weight forward line from brand X from 15 years ago, or something you even just bought five years ago pulling up that taper chart and seeing how it went from that running line and got thicker, went to that belly and then got thinner and seeing where those transitions are, how long of a belly that was and you either want to replicate that, which is something that I did. I fished an Orvis line that I loved from about 20 years ago and I had a lot of them because I I was working for Orvis at the time and I stocked up and then just a few years ago I ran out of my last Five weight of that Wonderline. And I thought, well, now I have to do something I haven't done in years, which is go out and find a new five weight line that will work with this specific rod. I loved the way that my Wonderline cast, and now I'm going to, have to figure something out. Well, I still had one of the boxes of Wonderline. I was able to flip it over, check out that taper chart, and it was easy enough to hop on Orvis's website and figure out if they had a line. That matched the taper of my Wonderline and sure enough they did I got it and it actually performs a little bit better there are a few differences the um, the taper was a little bit different but it was close enough that I was confident spending 65 $75 whatever it was on a new line buying a similar line works that way and also changing something if you felt like a line was clunky If you felt like it was like throwing a piece of um, goat rope out the end of the tip of your um, fly rod, then you were able to find a line that might be a little bit more reserved in its taper, might have a shorter belly, um, might have a more gradual transition. If you felt like when you were mending it, it was really, really heavy to move that fly line, finding something that is a little bit um, more delicate Um, It can be helpful. Additionally, you also have the grain weights. And not to get too technical, specifically because I'm not prepared to be super technical right now, but figuring out what the grain weights are. There are ranges of grain weights for every, even just floating line. Usually we only think about sinking lines and intermediate lines when we think about the, the weight of a fly line. Floating lines have different weights, and that's what makes them four weight, five weight, eight weight, nine weight. And so looking at those small things are important you see this says sounds like so much minutia well it is but if you've spent 300 500 700 on a fly rod you want that thing to cast as good as you can get it to cast and a small investment of time the things we're talking about right now and then money buying the best fly line that you can buy which might not necessarily even be the most expensive fly line you can buy can make a huge difference in how you cast i've had rods that i've hated and i've spooled up with a different line and i've loved them and vice versa a rod that's casted great i need to go on a trip i look at my fly line it's starting to crack i get another spool i have in the bottom of my drawer i put it on my reel i go on the trip and i feel like i can't cast or it's taking me a long time to adjust the casting and that's just a matter of a different fly line with a different taper or maybe even a slightly different grain weight even though it falls in the same line class. So aside from doing the numbers and looking at the, um, the, the taper charts, how can you actually physically do this? Well, for one, go to a fly shop. This is something that you can't do online. You can't cast a fly rod with a real uh, line on it online. Go to a fly shop there's a good chance that they'll have a handful of lines on some of their demo spools and even if you're looking for a four weight but they have the particular line that you want spool up on a six weight you can start to kind of get an idea of what you're dealing with that's recommendation number one always go to your fly shop they're going to have the best hands-on options and be able to give you the best um, one-on-one interaction that you can get secondly I would say go to a fly fishing expo. Um, this is being recorded in the winter. I'm going to talk about fly fishing shows here at the end during the recommendation. But going actually to a dealer who is the maker of a fly line is important. They have them all there, and if you're a serious buyer, they'll want to put that in your hands and allow you to feel what that feels like, and maybe the difference between two of their tapers. Um, you know, their their trout x line versus their trout y line and you can figure out the difference between the two and how they fit your casting stroke so the last thing i'll say is keep your fly lines clean it's simple it's easy i would say that cleaning your fly line is more important than cleaning your fly rod and cleaning your fly reel rods and reels especially in freshwater are virtually bulletproof line on their hand gets the brunt of everything and um, bad line is actually in my experience, the first thing that causes my rod to have problems, my um, my guides, especially my stripping guide and my tip top, they get um, worn down from dirty fly line. The the line, it's plastic, and plastic, as it gets warmer, as it gets cold, it gets sticky, it gets rigid, stuff gets attached to it, small debris, even microscopic debris, as that runs through your guides, it's going to cause abrasion. And then as it gets wound back up on your reel, it's going to cause that fly line to um, become um, worn out cause cracks cause um, nicks in it Um, if it kinks and you're not paying attention to how you're reeling having a kink that is sitting for too long exposed to uh, extreme heat extreme cold that can kink can set and then cause a crack all sorts of problems by just not paying attention to your fly line again it's not a delicate flower while you're fishing I mean just take care of it like you would take care of any piece of gear that cost you more than $50 but as uh, the season winds down, as the season picks back up, if you are using the same line and the same reel over and over again, take a little extra care to clean it. Um, you can buy a product uh, that cleans fly line. I usually just use, you know, Dawn—the stuff that they put in, you know, oil-covered penguins' eyes. You know, if it's good enough for a penguins' eyes, it's good enough for my fly line. Not super hot water; just warm water. Run through a cloth. Um, uh, reel it back on, nice and tight. Let it dry really well and that fly line feels literally as as good as new. So hopefully that's helped you think about fly line a little bit more. Um, It's the unsung hero of fly fishing, and uh, it's certainly worth spending a few more dollars on. Today's recommendation is the fly fishing show. If you live in or near Denver, Colorado, Marlboro, Massachusetts, Edison, New Jersey, Atlanta, Georgia, Linwood, Washington, Pleasanton, California, or Lancaster, not Lancaster, Lancaster, Pennsylvania, then definitely head to the fly fishing show this um, winter. Uh, The shows start um, the first week of January and go into the second week of March. This is a great place to go, experience um, products, learn from experts, learn new fly tying techniques, um, spend money, um, and actually get a lot more value out of a $15 ticket than uh, you would ever expect. Um, Just being able to go hands-on with products, whether that be a new pair of boots or a new fly line is incredibly valuable. Make a day of it. Make two days of it. Take the classes. Um, If you're not fishing in the winter time, this is the best not fly fishing Fly fishing thing that you can do. Um, buy your tickets in advance because at the door they take cash only. Um, but definitely check it out. Go to their website, which is flyfishingshow.com. If you want more information as to why this is a good use of your time, head to castingacross.com and in the search bar, put fly fishing show. There's a number of articles, including a recent post where I interviewed the CEO of the fly fishing show and kind of get his perspective on some of, kind of the insider information um, regarding these shows. Thanks for listening to the Casting Across Fly Fishing Podcast. Please subscribe in your favorite podcast app and rate the podcast in iTunes. Then head over to castingacross.com where you'll find more info on this podcast and three posts a week on the people, places, and things that go into the pursuit of fish.